Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of BGN Radio. This is episode number four. I am John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness, and we have yet another Eagles preseason preview. This time we're going to be looking very, very quickly at the New York Jets. I say quickly at the New York Jets because we're not, again, going to spend a whole lot of time breaking down the X's and O's of what the Jets are going to do to the Eagles and how the Eagles are going to match it. That's not what you do for, before the fourth preseason game. We're going to talk about uh, the latest news coming in uh, from the Eagles, some injury updates, all that kind of stuff, and uh, we'll just kind of jump around on a couple different topics. Joining me, of course, to do that is the brains behind the operation Bleeding Green Nation, the great Brandon Lee Gowton. You can follow Brandon on Twitter at Brandon Gowton. BLG, how go the wars, my friend? John, I cannot believe we are one week away from the Eagles' first game of the 2018 season. I just, it feels like yesterday, really, when I was in Minnesota watching this team just win the Super Bowl. And now all of a sudden, we're back here almost. The season starting and it all begins again. I just I can't believe it. And before that, of course, we have this meaningless Jets game that no one cares about at all right. in the sense no. of the results. But, you know, there's, there's still some interesting battles and roster decisions to be made this weekend. So we'll get into all that tonight. Did you know that when the Eagles take the field against the Falcons, that it'll be the first time in team history that they've started a regular season as Super Bowl champions? It's very true. It's a good very, thing. I think it's, it's a, a fact. I think it's a good thing. I think we can say that's a very <laughs> good thing. Um, man, that's going to be crazy. Just the energy in that building that night with uh, the Super Bowl banner going up and everything. Like, man, I just I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. And you just hope a lot of the starters are going to be there to actually play in that game. And we're going to jump on all that coming up here in just a few minutes. But first, just want to remind everybody to make sure, if you haven't done so yet, and I imagine a lot of you who are listening to this podcast have already, but if you haven't, I would urge you to go to your Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you get your podcasts, subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation. Go to that podcast feed, hit that little subscribe button, and leave a rating and a review while you're there. Uh, BLG and I we're talking before the show that we're up over 300 reviews or 300 ratings on on uh, on Apple Podcasts right now. So please continue to do that. Your feedback has been awesome. Uh, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review Bleeding Green Nation's podcast feed. And if you wouldn't mind, do the same thing for our SB Nation pals over at the Good Fight, Liberty Ballers, and Broad Street Hockey. I'm I'm a big I'm a big guy over at The Good Fight. I host the Hit and Season podcast. And so uh, please make sure that you subscribe to The Good Fight, The Liberty Ballers, and the Broad Street Hockey podcast feeds as well on all of those different podcast uh, formats. Uh, it'll be a, a big help to everybody here as, as part of the uh, Philadelphia SB Nation family. But um, BLG, we'll kick it off talking about, uh, I think, the biggest news that's come down over the last couple of days. And I know um, that uh, uh, the Kiston Solak show covered it a little bit. I think you and Ben covered it a little bit a couple of days ago. Um, but the Alshon Jeffrey news uh, came down from a couple different sources, Adam Schefter, one of them, uh, that uh, Jeffrey is going to miss the first two weeks of the season. Um, the, the Eagles have not officially announced that, if I'm not mistaken, BLG, correct? Right. So this is just a, it's a report by ESPN. Um, does this come as a surprise to you? I think we all knew that he wouldn't be there for the first game of the season, but um, was there suspicions that it might be the first couple games that he might not get back until week three? Yeah, I'm not shocked. Back when this report came out, or back when the uh, the report about his shoulder injury came out and that he played through the whole 2017 season, which is really amazing with that torn rotator especially, cuff. Especially when you consider his checkered injury history. That was yes. the big worry about, about signing him was he'd always missed a ton of games. Yeah, and it was great to, to have him for all those games. And 
And it's a bummer that it's going to delay him at the start of the season, but it was really worth it. And I think that's something that that was included in that ESPN piece. There was a statement from a a doctor or an agent or something, and they said, well, look, it was was worth it. (laughs) Like, he played through it, and it was delayed, and they won the Super Bowl. So uh, if this is the price to pay, it's not ideal, but it's, it's not a shocker. Uh, he hasn't been practicing to this point, you know, and we're a, a week away from the season. So it's it's certainly not a total surprise. I think it would have been surprising if he begins the season on the PUP list, which would mean he would automatically miss the first six weeks. And it sounds like that won't be the case. It sounds like uh, he'll just miss two games, although they did say at least two games. So maybe it's a third. Hopefully not. Um, it's not the end of the world. Because, you know, we've seen Nelson Aguilar looking good when he has been practicing. He did return to practice earlier this week, so that's great to see. Um, yeah. And you you have some other options here. You know, you, you signed Mike Wallace in the offseason. The Mac Hollins factor with all of this is very interesting, though, because that's a guy who was getting these first-team reps in these offseason practices with Alshon not being there. And Mac didn't have that offseason we wanted to see, as we've talked about before. And now the reasoning behind that, as we discussed on last week's episode, could be to due to that offseason sports hernia thing, which apparently might still be bothering him because he hasn't played since the first preseason game. And then that's interesting if, if you know, I think Doug Peterson said he expects to have Mac back by week one, but... We have to see that because if he's not playing and then Alshon's not playing, the Eagles are suddenly very thin at receiver. So they kind of have some things to figure out here. It's not really about a panic button thing, but uh, it's definitely something they kind of got to figure out. Yes, I mean, because Jeffrey's not the only one, as you mentioned, who has been dealing with a couple of things. It's good to hear that Aguilar is looking good. I mean, really, the the turnaround that uh, that he showed last year as a slot receiver goes a long way. If Jeffrey, when Jeffrey is sidelined for a couple of weeks, does Alshon go to the outside or, or do they put Hollins if he's healthy on the outside? Yeah, I think it'll be, it's a really good question because I think they have a, a lot of different options here. I think uh, we'll, I think we'll see some of Shelton Gibson just because he's had such a good preseason that you might yeah. want to get him involved. I don't think you just automatically give him all of Alshon's reps there, but I think you kind of mix him in there. I think if Mac is healthy, you give him some time and see what he can do. Because, look, uh, although he hasn't been killing it in the offseason, when his number was called last year, for the most part, he was productive. He wasn't a volume guy, but and I don't think I don't know if he ever will be a volume receiver, but I think he's very efficient when you target him. And for him to kind of only have to do that for two games, I think he can handle that. So we'll see. Um, I don't know if we'll see Aguilar on the outside as much. May, I think we... I don't know if we'll never see it, but I don't think it's the move to put him there full time. I just that's where he struggled earlier on his career. I think moving him to the slot really helped him a lot. I think Aguilar has looked so good this offseason that I don't feel moving him to the outside is the worst idea in the world just because he's looked so good. And I've seen him beat people deep and I've seen him play on the outside a little. But I think for the most part, the team has really wanted to keep him inside still just because why mess with a good thing? Like he's successful in here. Let's keep him in here. We have Mike Wallace on the outside. We have Mac Holland's ability uh, to play on the outside and then Shelton Gibson as well. So I would kind of, for the most part, I try to keep Nelson on the inside and I would give those guys looks out there and look, it doesn't like the passing game just doesn't have to be the receivers here, right? I mean, you drafted right. Dallas Goddard for a reason. He's here. He's looking good. I think we could definitely see a lot of 12 personnel with those two tight end sets early in the season, especially if, look, you put Mac Collins out there or Shelton Gibson and not really getting the job done. Okay, well, let's shift to some more 12 personnel here, get Dallas Goddard involved, and, uh, so the Eagles have options, so, so I'm trying to say. There's a lot of different options here, and that's why it's not really time to push the panic button, but they're going to have to figure out which one works best. Well, you talk about the panic button, and uh, I wanted to run a piece by you I saw from Elliot Shore Parks. I'm sure you saw it as well, because obviously um, the, the fact that the Eagles will be missing Jeffrey for a couple of weeks and that there have been some injury concerns, at least with Aguilar and with Mac Hollins over the course of uh, the, 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 the summer is... Um, 
you know, he's he had called it a crisis point at wide receiver, which I, I think is over is overblown. But yes. mentioning the fact that Des Bryant is still out there <laughs> and wondering whether or not the former Cowboys receiver might be worth going after in order to help fix this problem. Um, you know, he had 69 catches last year. He had over 800 yards. He had six touchdowns. I saw in his piece that uh, Parks mentioned he had uh, 2.3 yards per catch less than Mike Wallace last year, which is, is not a whole lot less. But, man, I remember watching. You know, I watched both those games against the Cowboys last year. Really, the first game was the only one that, that really mattered. And, you know, watching him play a bunch of different games on national TV, he lost it. He lost yeah. his fastball. I mean, there's just there's there's not a lot there, Brandon. And you know, I don't. I know he's got a big name, and some of the numbers they look okay. If I guess if it's a choice between Des Bryant or Mac Hollins, you know, Bryant is probably a better receiver than than Hollins is at this point. But you know that that does seem like a crisis move, and wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to me right now. I just I don't, and I don't want the guy on my team. Frankly, because there's clubhouse stuff you have to consider. Right. What says? Does this would, would a move like this be make any sense at all? No. <laughs> and in short, okay. no, it wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the, the thing about putting him on your roster, especially if he's on there week one, his salary his salary would be guaranteed for the whole season. So you don't want that because yeah, he could be terrible again, and all of a sudden, you're, look, the Eagles don't even have a ton of cap space to begin with. Now you've guaranteed this guy's salary for the season. And Alshon's only missing a couple games here. He's not missing the right. whole season. If that was the case, maybe we're having a different conversation of Alshon is out for the year, potentially. But he's not. It's only a couple games. The Eagles, that's a situation where it's kind of like, let's just get through with what we have and what we like and what we know already. So I don't I don't see that happening. Are you surprised Bryant is still out there? I mean, I, I forgot that he was still out there. He's completely been erased from my mind. I totally, I mean, I, I knew he got cut. I just, I had forgotten that he was still out in the world. Uh, I don't think I'm shocked just because of, you know, the decline that you said that we saw last year and then the whole attitude thing. He'll he'll get a team. He'll join a team. I think he had even said he plans to join a team during the season. We'll see him pop up somewhere. I'm sure especially it could be one of those situations where a key player goes down somewhere, a uh, key receiver in the league, and he gets a, a call and someone brings him in kind of out of desperation. But uh, I don't think we've seen the last of him. But, yeah, definitely not a surprise that he's not – on a team for me right now. Mm-hmm. We're one week closer to opening day. And, um, you know, I, we still don't know if Carson Wentz is going to open the season at quarterback. Uh, I heard Doug say this week that he's going to know who his week one starter is by Friday. Right. I mean, do you, how long do you think he'll keep that secret from everybody? As long as he can. Honestly, I right. think, I think they're, they it's love that right? angle right now to, uh, to play that up and try to, keep it the Falcons guessing here to me though I said it on last week's episode with uh with Ben that to me it's a hundred percent chance he's playing like I have no doubt in my mind I love that he's playing week one it's it's not like if 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 you've been paying attention closely to this whole thing to me that is the most obvious thing because there were reports back in January that the Eagles believed he could play week one knowing that in that thought process and then going through the whole off season and me watching him like I did look excellent in practice. I, and just, he's looked healthy. We even saw that workout before the Browns game. I just, I think he's going to be ready. I think he's ready and it's not a rush. Again, we've talked about this concept on the last two episodes we've done, John, but yeah. the Eagles have no reason to rush him, right? I mean, they're coming off a Super Bowl win. They have the Super Bowl MVP. There is no reason to rush him. And the fact that he would be playing to me tells me that they are not rushing him and they just feel that great about him. And that makes me feel good. That makes me feel like they're not rushing this thing. That makes me think, oh, wow, they have every reason not to rush. And the fact that they are playing him must mean they are really confident in his ability to be back out here. And that's great because, look, Nick Foles, obviously, when he's on because he's a very high-variance quarterback, as we saw in Cleveland yeah. last week. When he is yeah. on, he is great. But when he is off, he is awful. <laughs> so to yeah. have Carson yeah. Wentz back in there and for him to be the player that he was last year was so important to the team's overall success. And to get him back and to have him here week one, I feel really good if that's the case, if he's the starter under center. And I just feel like with any game where Carson Wentz is starting, the Eagles have a chance to win. So. I feel good. 
and maybe this is a dumb thing, but I, I think if Carson's in there, the sooner he gets in there, the less likely it is that this season that this team starts off with any kind of of hangover effect. You know, if if there is one, if there is that mental a, a little bit of a mental hangover that you know Carson's drive to 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 get back to where they were last year and get to the get to the places that he didn't get to go to, that he's going to be a major driving force to not let anybody let up, whether it's physically or mentally. And, you know, they see Carson pushing himself to get back and be ready to go by week one. It's going to it's going to force some of these other guys to, to do their best to get back as quickly as possible. Not that they don't want to get back as quickly as possible on their own either. But that's that to me, I think, is a big key. I don't think Carson's going to let any of these guys let down. I don't think he's going to, you know, allow for that to happen and if he's there in week one I think it, it it's kind of I think it's a springboard I think it's a I think if Foles starts week one I think they have a hard time getting out of the gate if it's Carson I don't know it's it, this is just kind of like an emotional response on my part but I feel like if Carson's there week one they have an extra spring in their step for that game against the Falcons I think that's a fair argument to make I was I think we've been talking about it last week where you know we, we kind of talked about the concern of a Super Bowl hangover and Jimmy Kemsky and Philly voice had a good piece on his site talking about how that's just really there's no Super Bowl hangover in fact like you don't see it as like the results don't bear that out you look at the results and you just you don't really see that so uh and I think you're in a huddle with Jason Peters and Darren Sproles and Carson Wentz and you're not taking that lightly like Big V was taking things lightly and I think especially after this preseason the Eagles have had I think it's arguably you could say this has been the best preseason that they could have had coming off the Mm -hmm. Super Bowl. Uh, Maybe they are smelling themselves a little bit. They are taking things a little too easy. Well, this preseason should be a big wake up call for that because things have especially more so for the offense here. Obviously, the defense has been fine. But talking about the offense here, if they come into the season uh, taking things lightly, I will be surprised. And that will be very disappointing because they had a preseason where they did not execute well and i think they really need to they know they need to step things up here so uh, i definitely think that's a fair point john i think with carson in there he just gives that extra juice not even just uh for the team but the building there too i mean can you imagine what the link is going to be like when he runs out i mean it's going to be incredible uh, place will blow off. Absolutely. I mean, but I mean, you mentioned that this preseason has been a struggle for the Eagles so far. 0-3 heading into this game against the Jets. And I know you know this statistic, but for, for folks listening who, who haven't heard this yet, no team, no team in NFL history that has gone winless in the preseason has ever won the Super Bowl later wow. that year. So in my mind, this makes this week's game <laughs> a must win. I don't know why they're not running Carson Wentz out there this week, Brandon, just to get this monkey off their back. Uh, this is obviously a must win, correct? I mean, Doug Peterson <laughs> said that uh, he didn't want to go 4 0 in the preseason, but right. I also don't think he wants to go 0 4 in the preseason. So. In right. some ways, as silly as it is, as meaningless and obviously as joking as much as we are, right. I do think there's like a small part of him that's like, man, I don't want to go zero and four. Like, let's let's get this one win. Does that mean that we might see starters for longer in this? I mean, not not to the point of ridiculousness, but I mean, will Fo- is I, I know Foles is not going to play in this mm-hmm. game, but I mean, how many of the other starters are are going to get a run? Normally, they get maybe. A half, a, a couple of series, just to kind of keep themselves going. Would they might get a quarter? I don't think we see them at all, honestly, John. I think yeah, maybe, okay. maybe you're talking about like a, a fringe starter. Like you might see, you know, like a Sidney Jones in there for a little bit, or you know, you could consider him a starter in the slot, obviously, or a the weak side linebackers like Kamu and Nate Gary. Uh, you might see them in there, and they could technically be "quote unquote" starting, but none of the key players. I mean, I just, I hope, I hope not. <laughs> I hope right, they don't I know, risk I it, know. especially yeah. with only one week away. You know, too having that short turnaround there. I just, right. you know, keep everyone healthy. That's that's the thing. That's for as much as we might uh, not love how this preseason has gone for the Eagles in some ways. I mean, the biggest thing is they've had no major injuries on top of the things they've already been dealing with. So right. and that's, that's the most important thing. Yeah. I mean, they came into the preseason with some injury stuff, but nobody has gotten hurt playing in any of these games. And that's you're right. That's the war of attrition here when it comes to the preseason. And, you know, it's, it's getting to the point now. I know everybody keeps talking about shrinking the preseason to two games and elongating the regular season. Frankly, the, the preseason has already been shrunk to two games. I mean, the starters 
only really play significantly in the maybe the what the second and third game, the third yeah. game especially. I mean, there's just not the, the starters don't get a whole lot of run in the preseason anymore, so it, it's all it's already been kind of reduced. Um, but as we look ahead to this fourth game, BLG, you know, I obviously. There are probably still a couple of jobs uh, left to be won. Or, you know, did the, did the third preseason game set a lot of these spots out? Um, I think when you talk about the slot corner battle, I think Sidney Jones is just pretty clearly the guy there. He got all the first team reps in Cleveland last week. I think he's played better than I've expected. I think he's probably played better than I've given him credit for, honestly. Uh, Michael Kist had a great breakdown on how yeah, Sidney Jones did. has been again i still don't think he's been like lighting it up and awesome and and lights out but i think for the most part he's shown some real encouraging signs and again go check out that breakdown michael kiss had a, a deeper dive on that with, with a good film breakdown and everything so i think when you look at the slot battle i think sydney jones is clearly going to beat out avante maddox for that although credit to maddox for making a, a battle and then emerging into the competition because when training camp started he wasn't even in it it was sydney jones and Devonte Bosby. So Maddox really stepped up in there. Uh, I thought Maddox looked lost at times in spring practices and OTAs and minicamp. So for him to kind of grow from there, that was very encouraging and hope at, at the very least he should be some nice depth if Sidney Jones struggles or gets hurt or mm-hmm. whatever happens there. So when we're talking about slot corner, I think that's pretty obvious. Uh, when we talk about weak side linebacker, which is one of the other big battles, you know, you have Kamu here and Nate Gary, and interestingly, I thought it was interesting that Kamu got the first team reps last week after Nate Gary had got the first team reps in the first two preseason games. So maybe that's a sign it's Kamu's job. Or maybe the kind of the Eagles kind of just rotate this thing through the season and kind of just put both guys in there until someone really just seizes the job. Because, look, uh, that shouldn't be crazy if they – think rotating left guards like they did last season right. with Chance Hormack and right. Steven Wisniewski isn't crazy. So I think I've always said that Kamu is my guy. Uh, although Nate Gary, I thought, had a nice play last week where he really, you know, forced that interception to Avante Maddox by he chucked that wide receiver off his route and that kind of disrupted the timing there and allowed the pick to happen for Maddox. And then the two other big spots from there, and this is these are the ones that Doug Peterson highlighted on his press conference on Tuesday. He was talking about how uh, the bottom of the receiver spots there, and especially now knowing that Alshon Jeffrey could miss two games. I mean, the Eagles have to keep six at this point. Like yeah, you have right. to, like because yeah. yeah, and especially with Holland's kind of being questionable too. I mean, you, you just definitely want to keep six on the roster in addition to maybe one or two in the practice squad. So. That uh, So we know who's going to make the roster, right? We know Alshon Jeffrey, uh, Nelson Aguilar, Mike Wallace, Mac Hollins, and Shelton Gibson, who's had a really strong summer. He's a lock. So who is the sixth guy? And it could be DeAndre Carter, who's had a good preseason. He's and looked I would, good. He looks like a little jackrabbit out there, man. He has some juice. I mean, he I, I like what I've seen out of DeAndre Carter. And not only in preseason games, too. I remember there was a couple reps where he was beating Ronald Darby in practice. I mean, not like every day, but he had a couple quality reps mixed in there from time to time. So I like what I've seen out of Carter. Um, I don't know if he's a lock. I think he he might be, and I, for me, he's a lock. I, I want him on the team, but I think it's one of those situations where uh, you look at Marcus Wheaton, who hasn't played this preseason, but apparently he's going to try to play on Thursday night. You know, he he's a veteran player. He has NFL experience. Maybe the Eagles feel like they can rely on that. Or Kamar Aiken, who I know the Eagles apparently also like, although he's been terrible in this preseason and yeah. practices, and he's been hurt. I just, man, if they keep him, that's going to be frustrating because I just, I don't get it. And so I hope it's Carter there. And the, the last one, John, the biggest battle of them all, and also the most meaningless battle of them yeah, all. I know, it's always. Is the, the fourth running back. We've had so much conversation about this position over the offseason it's been crazy because it just doesn't matter in in this year although see it doesn't matter this year but it does matter somewhat when you're looking at the long term of this because jhi is going to be a free agent after this offseason it is very possible the eagles will not re-sign him just because of you know he could be do a lot of money and he's a running back and the eagles are tight in cap space and he has a degenerative knee issue so ajayi could be gone uh, Darren Sproles is probably hanging him up for real this time after this year. So that leaves you with Corey Clement and 
who else? And maybe it's Josh Adams. Uh, we yeah. saw Mike Garofolo say that uh, Josh Adams will probably get picked up on waivers if he does get cut. And he feels like maybe uh, the Eagles should be hiding him if they want to try to sneak him onto the practice squad. But on the flip side, he said, well, maybe actually this is a good thing for Josh Adams because it means that he's kind of almost already won it. And the team just wants to see more out of him at this point. And I think it's very possible that Adams gets kept over Smallwood. Although I think if the Eagles had their choice, they would try to put Adams on injured reserve and stash him away because he's, he's had these injuries. He missed all of OTAs and minicamp. He missed a, a couple uh, he missed like a week. He obviously missed a preseason game with, with the, the same injury. So I think they would like to stash him, but they might just have to stash him on that 53 man. So it'll be fun to see if Adams can really just step up like and definitively take that job on Thursday night. Doug Peterson specifically singled him out. I thought that's a really good sign. Doug wasn't even asked about Josh Adams specifically. He just, he was asked about what bottom of the, uh, or what roster jo- yeah. roster battles are you looking at? And he specifically brought up Josh Adams, so I thought that was a good sign. I, I and you know we talk we joke about the RB four job really not being something that is going to matter during the course of the regular season. But you mentioned the fact that Ajaye, you know, has that degenerative knee issue. And we saw with Corey Clement last year, when the season started last year, nobody thought Corey Clement was going to be a major player in in that Super Bowl run. And look what he did. I mean, you never know which of these guys, like you said, can can develop during the course of a season like like Clement did last year. And it's unusual that a guy develops that much during the course of a season and becomes that important of a player. But you know, I don't. I'm not saying Josh Adams is going to do that, but you know, you, you keep these guys around for a reason if they've got talent, and, and you never know when one's going to pop up for you. I really liked what I've seen out of Josh Adams too this preseason. I think he has like ten carries for only sixty-seven yards. I mean, it's not a big sample size, but he just he runs with a purpose. Like we see him run hard. He's he's been able to break some contact. He's a big guy. I just I like what I see when I watch him. I don't, do I think he's going to be a superstar? No, but I think he yeah. could just be a nice piece in this rotation. Obviously, Big V has been a major topic of conversation here over the last couple of weeks with his performances in the second and the third preseason games and his comments that after the second game that he just wasn't he wasn't mentally ready for it. He, he wasn't up for it or whatever. And then he followed that up with a, a terrible game against the Browns, you know, and, and listen, you know, he's. Vitae is limited with his physical skill anyway. I mean, he's he's not going to be a superstar, but he did well in the in the postseason last year, and you know it's it's a situation where the Eagles need him. I mean, given their given their their depth in on the offensive line, they need Big V to be able to play well. How important is this fourth preseason game for him? Obviously, he's not getting cut if he doesn't play well, but they really need him to show something in this fourth game, don't they? Yeah, you want to see him bounce back, especially because he's not going to be going up against any starters here. You know, it's not like he's facing number one overall pick from 2017, Miles Garrett, which, woof, right. uh, brutal. Yeah. He, and, and Garrett's going to do that to a lot of different guys. I right. Mean, so, but, but, yeah, he made Big V look like he was just out of college. Exactly, yeah. Like, it's not even it's not even like they had some good battles and, and Garrett won some. It was just like, <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. dominated him and, and made him look foolish quite quite honestly, and especially coming off of the Patriots game as well. So just not not the kind of uh, summer we've wanted to see from Big V in terms of the preseason action. It's funny because I think he's looked pretty decent when you look at him in one-on-ones and practice, and, and now he's been there overall. Um, I still think he's a spot starter. I'm not like really uh, panicking on him completely and, and thinking that the Eagles need to cut him or start over or whatever, but – uh, it's it's not encouraging, and I would have expected to see more. I, I never thought he was going to be a long-term starter for this team at offensive tackle at any point, and I've always wanted them to know that and not think that way and to prepare differently. Right. But I think he can be a spot starter, so yeah, it'd be great to see if we can see him bounce back at all this week. We've also talked in recent weeks about the defensive tackle position. Last week against the Browns, the defensive line Man, that was a bunch of animals out there just doing their thing. And uh, I, I don't know, you know, Haloti Nada got into the backfield a couple yeah. different times. I mean, it was nice to see. I don't know that, you know, all of the, the problems along the defensive tackle are solved magically, you know, based off of uh, the third preseason game. But um, it was nice to see that the defensive line really came to eat last week. 
I really agree with that, John. I think we've been talking about that, right, as one of the, the right, biggest yeah. concerns on this team right now. And and to see Haloti not out there, almost notched two sacks, he would have had he had one, he would have had two if he was able to hold on to Baker Mayfield, who kind of just slipped out of his grasp there. Uh, I felt good. I saw that and I was like, well, uh, I don't feel totally, you know, it's not like, oh, I'm, it's not a concern at all anymore, but I'm, I'm certainly feeling a lot better than I was at that spot this time last week. And I've also just really liked what I've seen out of Bruce Hector, the undrafted free agent yeah. out of South Florida. He's really stepped up here. I think he's going to be that fourth defensive tackle that the Eagles keep, which is, it's cool. He beat out pretty much Elijah Qualls, who was a six-round pick for this team last year, and I thought showed some good things in preseason last year. So for him to step up and, I think, really take that job. And honestly, I don't even know how much we'll see out of him on in the fourth preseason game the Eagles I mean I'm sure we'll see him play but maybe the Eagles kind of want to almost go easy on him if they really plan to keep him on the roster here so uh, I, I like seeing that I still don't get Destiny Veo like I still don't get <laughs> I don't get yeah. what the Eagles love so much about him I mean I it's think he's Destiny. fine yeah but it's just I don't know so to, to see Haloti step up to see Bruce Hector step up I'm feeling a little bit better now I know there's a, the Eagles made a big signing a couple of weeks ago, and we, do, we haven't gotten to see much of him. You're laughing. You don't even know what I'm going to say. Oh, yet. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> I just, I just want to know: is this, is this the week we finally get to set our eyes on Christian Hackenberg, BLG? Is this the week we finally get to unwrap that present? I think it's going to be the week we want to close our eyes because <laughs> it is not going to be pretty. Uh, Christian Hackenberg is just, boy, he is a, he's not a good player. Um, but I am interested to see him just because we haven't seen him in game action yet. And I really haven't been able to see him much in practice because by the time the Eagles had signed him, uh, he had only really participated in one practice that we were able to watch fully. And his first two passes were interceptions. So, um, (laughs) so, uh, I don't, I don't expect good things at all. I mean, if if he can not be a disaster, that would be a good thing. Like, if he doesn't throw an interception and he kind of goes like, I don't know, like six for ten, and and uh, I don't know, uh, like fifty five yards and no interceptions, I think that would be like an awesome game for Christian Hackenberg. Especially, you know, in fairness to him, it's not like he's going to have this amazing cast to work with here too. Um, but it would be really funny. Right, if Christian Hackenberg was able to like lead a comeback drive right. against his old team in the preseason, like it'd be so meaningless. But at the same time, it would be just kind of funny. So I hope we see that. It wouldn't be meaningless because it would make the Eagles one and three yes. in the preseason and get them off that ugly schneid. You know that that means the Super Bowl is a possibility once again. So you're you're minimizing the role Christian Hackenberg <laughs> can play in this preseason game, and I'm I'm slightly a little bit offended by that. No, but it's here, here's the deal too. I, I, if you're not into the score of this game, if you're not if you don't really care who wins and loses, and you then, shouldn't, and you really shouldn't be. You look for good stories out of this fourth game. And I thought one of the coolest stories, and I read about it this week, was Anthony Denham, who uh, had been with the Eagles before. He was out of football all summer, uh, living in Phoenix. Um, he, uh, he got on a red-eye flight from Phoenix to Philly earlier this week, got a phone call on Monday morning in Arizona. Um, he sacked out on the flight, gets in at 6 a.m. here in Philly, works out, signs a contract with the team, and now he could be the team's number three tight end with Richard Rodgers out. So I guess, you know, this is a guy to root for. This is a guy to watch for here in this fourth preseason game. I imagine he's going to be out there quite a bit because I don't, I don't imagine they're going to play Ertz or Goddard very much, if at all, in this game, right? Yeah, the only four tight ends they have healthy right now are, are or only three, I think it would be, because I don't think Josh Perkins is going to play because he wasn't practicing this week. So that leaves Billy Brown, who didn't really play at all. He didn't play a single awesome offensive snap in the Eagles-Browns game, which tells me that Billy Brown is not yeah, probably making good this indication. team. Yeah. yeah, not a good sign for him. Um, I think Denham can make the team, which is kind of crazy, just the fact that they signed him a couple of days ago. But... Uh, I liked what I saw out of him last offseason in practices. I thought he had some good flashes in there. I thought he had a chance to be the number four tight end last year, although he kind of had a a calf injury that caused him to miss a lot of training camp time and some preseason action as well. So he kind of his stock took a hit there. But I really liked what I saw out of him in spring practices. It would not be insane to me if he made the team early on in the year, especially if Richard Rodgers is going to be out for, I don't know, let's say he misses the first month or so. I think you have to I think you have to keep a fourth tight end really at that point because it's only 
uh, Goddard and Ertz otherwise. And then one of those guys goes down and you're hoping to run a lot of 12 personnel, especially with Alshon missing time. <laughs> you need two yeah, tight right. ends. So yeah. um, I think it's possibly makes the team and that's crazy. But uh, that's definitely another guy to keep an eye on this week. And it is a good story. And uh, another thing to keep in mind with him is he has experience with this team. He was on the right. practice squad in 2016 and then he spent the whole off season here last year. So I wouldn't rule it out. He could be one of those every year. It seems like there's always like at least one guy here. Like, wow, how did he make the 53? You kind of, there's a surprise. Yeah. I think he could be that surprise guy. I know I re- they said that uh, he had a, a really good workout with the team, and they were amazed how much of the playbook he was able to remember, um, having been away from the team for so long. So uh, that certainly bodes well for him uh, as he uh, as he looks to make the roster here heading into the opening week of the season. Just a couple things to look at uh, for the New York Jets. Jets made some news here on, uh, on Wednesday as we're recording this BLG. Um, they traded Teddy Bridgewater, their backup quarterback, to the Saints for a third-round pick. They essentially pulled a Howie Roseman uh, with Sam Bradford, they didn't get quite as much for Bridgewater as the Eagles got for Bradford, but they they essentially you know spent some money and picked up a third round pick you know for us. So a smart move by the Jets um, to pick up a third rounder, and that means uh, Sam Darnold is going to be their starting quarterback. Um, Jets are rebuilding, so I, I think it makes sense to go with a young guy here in 2018. Why should Eagles fans be rooting extra hard for Darnold though? Oh, he should be the favorite non-Eagles quarterback <laughs> of Eagles fans because Sam Darnold has an opportunity to, every week, make the New York Giants regret so much on passing on him <laughs> by playing in their own stadium. Like I just, I love that angle that Sam Darnold could just be this, could turn out to be this great quarterback and the Giants will be struggling to find their replacement for Eli Manning who is clearly just washed at this point and it's going to be just a really fun thing to watch if that turns out to be the case and I think look Eagles fans the Jets should be your AFC team I I think if you want to root for the Colts too with Frank Reich there I think that's fine I think that's nice but I think you should be rooting for the Jets, more specifically Sam Darnold, but you should be rooting for the Jets to to be great with him. I think that would just uh, it would rub Giants fans the wrong way so much, and, and I think we just we really need that. And I think, look, uh, Bleeding Green Nation, that's obviously the name of this site and podcast, and then you have our friends, the Jets SB Nation blog is Gang Green Nation. So we already have BGN ah, and GGN. Yeah. We have some synergy there, so... Uh, and I, I even did a question exchange with our friends over at Gang Green Nation, and I kind of asked them, I was like, hey, uh, how do you feel about this whole angle that I just talked about? And they're like, you know, some some Giants or some Jets fans don't really hate the Giants as much, but some do. And they were they were well, willing to welcome us on board and kind of have us adopt them as their AFC team. So I say let's do it. There, there's, there are a few things that Philadelphia sports fans do better than root for their own teams, and that's root against other teams. And uh, this is this is a great way to exercise that muscle. So I'm on board, and uh, the Eagles will also uh, get a look at Todd Bowles, uh, the head coach of the, of the Jets, former Eagles defensive coordinator, uh, looking to get uh, that franchise back on track. So... Listen, I mean, I wrote I wrote a piece for Bleeding Green Nation this week, Brandon. I know you 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 took a look at it, and um, I don't know how many people listening read the piece, but you know, I there, there's been a lot of panic in in Eagles land about this preseason so far. The offense has not looked good. You know, they've been outscored seventy three to thirty four by the Steelers and the Patriots and the Browns so far here in the preseason. Uh, Vegas clearly has been completely rattled by the Eagles preseason, dropping them from second in the Super Bowl odds to fifth in the NFL now. So, so clearly a, a, a momentous drop uh, in, 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 the, uh, in the odds, uh, according to Vegas. But, I mean, here's the deal. For, and I, 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 know, I wanted to get your thoughts on this, too, is that we haven't really seen the real Eagles yet, have we? I mean, we, we haven't seen Carson Wentz. We haven't seen Jeffrey. We haven't really seen Aguilar in the preseason at all. We haven't seen Ajayi or, or Clement or, or Sproles. We haven't seen Jason Peters. You know, we, we've seen what we have seen is a lot of Halapulavati Vitae struggling. We've seen a lot of um, Nick Foles struggling. We've seen Nate Sudfeld. We, he's got promise, but he's a raw quarterback. We've seen lots of Wendell Smallwood and Josh Adams and Matt Jones and DeAndre Carter and Shelton, Shelton Gibson and Greg Ward. All of these different guys. We haven't seen 
the 2018 Eagles yet here in the preseason. And that's what I want everybody to just remember. Even if they do lose this fourth game and they go 0-4, you haven't seen, especially on the offensive side of the ball, you haven't seen the vast majority of the players who will who will compose the 2018 Philadelphia Eagles. The team that's going to make this Super Bowl defense, they haven't played yet especially on the offensive side of the ball. So that's why I want everybody to exhale over. I know people just like digging their fingernails into the, into the, the, the formica of their coffee tables watching the, the Eagles lose 5 nothing to the Browns. But when you, you have to look at the players who are actually on the field doing the playing, and when you do that, you can say to yourself, all right, I can see why they lost that game five to nothing. It's infuriating. I get it, and you know they, we're all worried about a hangover. But BLG, I just don't see it. They haven't had the players out on the field yet this year. John, on a scale of one to ten, how and with ten being the most concerned, how concerned are you about the Eagles heading into the season? What number would you say? I would put it at a three. And the only reason I put it out of three is because I'm a little bit concerned about the delayed start to the offseason for these guys to recover from physical problems like Jeffrey, you know, like we've seen uh, with the, the hernia sur- the surgeries for, for Matt Collins. Um, you know, that, that's that's the only thing that I that has really been bothersome to me about that. And Derek Barnett with the with his uh, hernia surgery as well. Because you started the offseason later than you normally do, all these things get pushed back, and it's getting pushed into the regular season. Like you said earlier in the podcast, of course you make that trade-off because you won the Super Bowl by those guys pushing themselves to get to the finish line. But at the end of the day, I, I do think there is a little bit of a concern that if Wentz isn't ready by the opening week, and maybe it takes, and what if it takes him two or three weeks to get himself back into the, the, the type of player that he was at, in 2017 when he was healthy? I mean, we have, to, we have to accept the fact that getting Carson Wentz in the starting lineup in week one doesn't necessarily mean we get MVP level Carson Wentz into the starting lineup in week one. It might happen. It might not happen. Alshon Jeffrey, when he comes back, does it take him a couple of games to get his flow back? You know, it's just a lot of these different players, you know, Ajayi with his with his knee issues and, and you know, different, you know, the Aguilar with his lower body injury and all that kind of stuff. That's my main concern. Um, and But it's obviously not a big concern. I put it at a three. That's about where I am right now. But how about you? John, this is why we are a good team, because that is exactly my, everything you just said is, is my hey, exact answer. I And it's funny because, I, you know, obviously on this post you did on BleedingGreenNation.com, I added a poll at the bottom just to see how fans are feeling. And the top answer, believe it or not, was actually one with 28 percent of the people wow. voting that there are no worries. But the number two answer was not number two. It was a level three concern. And that was my answer. That's what I voted for. Oh, wow. That's funny. Uh, at 18%. So, and I think that's the right place to be because I think it's a little more than none. I don't think, I don't right. think it should be none completely just because of what you said about the injuries and, and all of that. But that's where it's at. It's about that stuff. It's not about the, the hangover element uh, from a mentality standpoint as much for me as it is a physical element, as you said, with the injuries and just ending the season later, the wear and tear. So uh, I'm not, again, there's no kind of real panic here. I would say, you know, minor concern, but, uh, you know, look, I'm sure no matter how we feel about things going into the season, this is the reality. We will either feel awesome after Thursday night when the Eagles beat the Falcons or we're going to feel bad. <laughs> They'll lose, and we're just right. like, oh, my gosh, the sky is falling again. Even though they just won the Super Bowl, they'll be like, oh, no, uh, is there a hangover? Uh, are the injuries adding up? Blah, blah, blah. So, uh, you know, narrative is often dictated by how things play out. So we will see. But for right now, overall, I feel I feel pretty good going into the season. I don't think preseason has really changed my mind about anything. Uh, I think that's where I'm at. Well, I mean, one thing that this preseason has shown us is lest anyone think that winning a Super Bowl would help Eagles fans to chill a little bit. There's no chill in this fan base, and there just never will be. We want <laughs> I think a it's dynasty. helped a little bit, but but not entirely. Yeah. Little, 
It's taken a little of the edge off, but you know, not a lot. And you know, everybody wants a everybody wants a dynasty, and that's that's something that this city has never really had in any sport, really. I mean, and so this is an opportunity to 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 go ahead and do that, to to start something like that, and, and make history in a way that that no other Philadelphia sports team has done. That's what's sitting in front of Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles as they get ready to start this season. I want to finish up BGN Radio episode number four with uh, just a, a couple of quick thoughts about our old friend Michael. Kendricks, boy, um, he was—he's been in the news a little bit wow. here over the last week. Um, you know, we we heard about some of the comments that he made on uh, on Hard Knocks, talking about uh, Zach Ertz, um, cre- you know, crediting him as a receiver, but basically saying you you effing hit his ass over and over. He doesn't want any smoke, which is a great turn of phrase, by the way. <laughs> I love I love that expression. Um, and you know, t- talking to his teammates about Nick Foles, he's trying to give his his Browns his Browns teammates a little bit of. Um, uh, uh, a, a profile on these different players ahead of the game, which is perfectly fine. Right. Um, and talked about Big V, about uh, how Vitae, you know, doesn't have the quickest speed and he's not the strongest. He doesn't trust his speed. You get on him, his confidence will go down. All of that is perfectly, you know, all that is perfectly legit. You know, before last year, the big the big problem that a lot of Eagles fans, I know, you know, you guys had talked about it uh, on, on, on BGN Radio before, was that Ertz, every time he had a little bit of contact it seemed like he would go down to the ground right away we remember that infamous play was it in cincinnati yeah where it seemed Monte's like he, perfect. he just <laughs> yeah like and he just he he ran the other way and um you know i i know that that had been his reputation last year i thought he had overcome that he, he seemed to be a guy who was a little bit more comfortable with contact so kendrick says all that on hard knocks and that wasn't even the biggest news of the week <laughs> involving michael kendrick's on wednesday he was charged with insider trading my God. U.S. attorneys announced insider trading charges against him, alleging that Kendricks profited $1.2 million by providing $10,000 in cash and Eagles tickets in exchange for information from a friend who worked at a, a, New, York, uh, a New York financial institution. So with $10,000, BLG, through four different trades, Michael Kendricks made four trades getting inside information and made $1.2 million. Kendricks has admitted it. He's apologized. He said he's working with authorities. Man, that's brazen. Ten grand <laughs> into $1.2 million. I mean, there's not even a little bit of nuance there. That's, that's just asking for the SEC to come get you, man. It's crazy. And, and to address the comment thing first, look, everything he said is fair. And obviously telling his new team about an old team's weakness is completely fair. The only thing yeah. I have with that is like, I mean, I guess ultimately maybe I should be mad at the Browns because they should have done a better job of like saying to Hard Knocks, because they have control over this. They can tell them what not to air if they really want them to not air something. And they can be like, don't don't leave that part in. And I, and I think Michael Hendricks, I don't know if he did this or not, so I don't want to uh, just assume he didn't, but... If I was him, I would be like, don't, can you not show that part? Because I have respect for my former teammates and I don't want them to think I'm just throwing them under the bus. Like, that's the part I didn't like. I, right. I, I'm fine with him saying those things, but I also think that he was fine with that getting out there. Like, I don't, I don't think he hated that that got out. I think he, he kind of, like, we talked about it last week. I don't think he's always the smartest uh, guy, <laughs> which. Well, kinda, obviously, the insider plays, trading exactly, stuff would lend credence to that. Kind of plays right into that, which, I mean, it's unfortunate. Look, I'm not, I'm certainly not reveling in the fact that this happened. Uh, I wish Michael Hendricks didn't make that decision. It's it's very unfortunate. Uh, it is it's just a very bad decision. His NFL career could be over now. The Browns cut him. I don't know what's going to happen legally. I mean, he could be facing jail time for this, like serious jail time. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, there yeah. could be, and then on top of that, in addition to the legal ramifications, the NFL can the NFL has their personal conduct policy, which basically means they can decide another punishment for him on top of that. They could suspend him for a certain amount of games or even kick him out of the league entirely if they wanted to. So uh, there's there's going to be a lot more punishment, both legally and then from the NFL probably coming his way. And right now. When you're getting cut from an 0 16 team, <laughs> like how just can you, yeah, you right. we need to put that in perspective. Michael Kendricks on top of the world just won the Super Bowl, uh, set to make something like you set to make around eight million or something this year. And obviously he wasn't going to get that, but just still like th- just imagine he's at that spot where, okay, just won the Super Bowl. I'm set to make eight million gets cut. Then 
his best offer comes from an Owen 16 team. The deal is one year, 2.25 million with 500 K guaranteed. And then you get cut because it comes out that you were guilty for insider trading. I mean, man, like what, what a fall in, in a short amount of time. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. And then again, I just, I don't even know if he's ever going to get back into the league. Uh, he's only 20, he only turns 28 in September. So, you know, he's still youngish, uh, enough to play, but I just I don't know if the opportunity is going to be there after this. Well, if you're going to have that kind of baggage, you better be a great player. And Michael yeah. Kendricks is a, is an okay player, depending on the system. Uh, but he's not so great that teams can't live without him. And obviously, the Cleveland Browns, a team that needs as much talent on that roster as they can get, felt that. Well, that's they not could true, John. Him. I mean, they have more talent than the Eagles. Do. More talent than the Eagles. That's true. <laughs> I did that did slip my mind. I forgot. Um, but no, you're right. And and, uh, and Kendricks, I believe that a lot of these trans. This all happened between. Uh, 2015 and 2016. So I, I I think those are the correct years. It was either I think that it was, th- or... it was 2013 through 2015 or so. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Then that makes yeah, more sense. I think it was so four it was, it was... years ago. Yeah. It started. Okay. So beginning of his career, and um, but even so, you know, he's uh, it's something he's got to answer for now. So yeah, you're right. It is a shame. It's it's kind of funny. You don't usually hear about NFL players getting in trouble for white collar crime, uh, but in this particular case, uh, Michael Kendricks is uh, blazing yet another trail. So um, and, uh, you know, hopefully he can. Hopefully they can. You know, his NFL career isn't ruined by this, but uh, you can't have a whole lot of sympathy if it isn't. Anyway. Um, all right, BLG, listen, this is a big preseason game coming up against the Jets. Any final thoughts before this final preseason game, before the Eagles begin their defense of the Super Bowl? I hope we see some watchable football on Thursday night. I hope yeah. we see some some good updates from the camp battles. Hope we see everyone stay healthy, you know, for because uh, even though it's not like there's going to be a lot of starters playing, you could still have some key backups in there. So hopefully, again, just try to get through healthy. Uh, I want to thank everyone once again for helping us get up there on to uh, the uh, just jumping up on the iTunes ratings and everything. With We are at 317 yeah. ratings. All of them are gold star or five star ratings except for one. Don't be that one person. Uh, continue to leave those. Continue to leave reviews. We're at 127. I really appreciate it. I just wanted to take the time to thank you, John, you know, for, for being a great host on this new venture. And I want to thank everyone else uh, for just for being here because, you know, this has been a very tough process for me. It still is going through all of this. And uh, mm-hmm. I know I haven't talked about it enough about all of what happened, but I just want to say that uh, it, it puts things in perspective a lot and it makes me grateful that I have this opportunity and I only have this opportunity because of you loyal listeners out there. So I just wanted to thank you all. And I I wanted to do that just before we got into the season here, because look, man, it's time to get excited about this team. I know we got to get through this final game and these cuts, which we'll we'll definitely have some more podcasts uh, coming up here. I think Michael Kist is going to do a 53 man prediction episode right after the fourth preseason game on Thursday night. So stay tuned for that. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed so you don't miss that. And then we'll have some reactions to the cuts, I believe. Another podcast coming out on Saturday. Those cuts are due by 4 p.m. So we'll have it something that night, I imagine, along with all the great content and roster cut trackers and practice squad trackers and all that great stuff on bleedinggreennation.com. So stay tuned because it's going to be a very busy weekend leading into the uh, preparation for the game on Thursday night because John the Eagles start practicing for their Thursday game this Sunday one day after they make cuts so it's going to be a really quick turnaround here yep then that's why you're not going to see a lot of starters in this game it is a quick turnaround before the Eagles take on the Falcons and it is my pleasure to to be joining you BLG and to be a part of uh, a phenomenal team uh, with uh, Bleeding Green Nation and BGN Radio and uh, it is going to be a fun year here in 2018 I'm excited to be a part of it and folks uh, we are excited that you are a part of it too make sure you are subscribing to Bleeding Green Nation's podcast feed and uh, um, give us a rating give us those reviews please let us know what you think let us know what you think about the show and that'll do it for this edition of bgn radio episode number four for blg i'm john stolness enjoy the game everybody we'll talk to y'all in just a couple of days here on bgn radio that doesn't make sense (laughs) 
Hey guys, this is John Stolnes from The Good Fight and the Phillies podcast, Hitting Season, where I talk to Phillies beat writers, broadcasters, and fellow Good Fight bloggers, as well as national baseball writers, and the occasional interview with Matt Klintak and Gabe Kapler. Also, you'll get continued success, a Phil's podcast hosted by Justin Clue and Liz Rocher covering all things Phillies, and The Dirty Inning, a hilarious podcast hosted by Justin and Trevor Strunk, looking at the very worst innings in Phillies history. Make sure you are subscribed to The Good Fight podcast feed.